We're going to be learning Likutei Sichis, Chelek Tess, the third Sich of Parshas Nitzavim. The main topic of this shir is going to be the Indian of Bechira. First, the Rebbe is going to explain the idea of Bacharta Bechayim at the end of this week's Parsha, Pipshotesh and Ikra. And afterwards, he's going to explain the idea of Bechira, Al Pipnimi Sinyanim. The main focus of this particular shir will be on the second part of the Sich, which will be the beer of Bechira Al Pipchasidis. But first, we will say over the Teichen Hadvarim how the Rebbe how the Rebbe explains Rashi, so we understand what the end of the parsha is talking about, and then we will explain the Pnimius of Rashi al Pichasidus. So, in the end of this week's parsha, Perak Lamin Pasuk Tazvav, it tells us, "See that I give before of you this day the good and the life and good and death and the evil." And as Rashi explains that when you choose, I'm giving in front of you these two options, but when you choose life, when you choose good, you will get life. And if you choose bad, then you will get death. As the Pasuk continues, that I'm commanding you to love Hashem, to go in His ways, and if you do all of those things, you will get life. But if you don't listen to Hashem, then the Pasuk continues, and you'll be destroyed, etc., etc. So the idea is that by choosing Toiv, you will get life. If you choose Ra, that will bring death. Then if Pasuk tells Yates, it seems like the Pasuk is repeating the same idea. It tells us, And he tells us like this, I'm giving you Chaim and Mavis, and you should choose life in order that you shall live, you and your children. And then he explains, what is this life, which is the etc., etc. So it seems like Pasuk Yotas and Chav is repeating something that was already said in the previous Pesukim. So what is it coming to add? So Rashi explains that the addition in Pasuk Yotas is when it says over there, Hashem is telling you to choose life. As Rashi tells us, I am guiding you, I am teaching you that you should choose the Chelek of Chaim. Meaning that in the first Pesukim, Pasuk Tezvav until Pasuk Yotas, Hashem is showing us the dif- different options that we have, and he's showing us what's the good part and what's the bad part, and he and, and he puts us onto the good part, and he tells us what is good that this will bring you life. But in Pasuk Yates, he he's not satisfied just by telling the Jewish people what's the good part and by putting them onto the right path. Rather, he tells them again, You have to actually he tells them with the Amir Neisafes. He tells them he's mazars them. He tells them another time, or I should not another time. He actually tells them to choose the path. It's not enough. That he, that he shows them what the good path is. And even he puts them onto the good path. Rather, he tells them, you, ha- you should follow this particular path. So why? Why does Hashem have to do that? So Rashi gives the marshal. This is It's like a, 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 a marshal of a person. That he tells his son that he should choose a, the best, a, a, a beautiful portion in his nachla. Meaning is that in the nachla of the father, there are many portions. And it's hard to know which one's the Chelek Yafa. It's not so clear. There's a lot of good pieces. But he wants his son to choose the best piece. So what does he do? He's Mamida Chelek Yafa. He puts him onto the Chelek Yafa. And then, And then he tells him, this, this is the one that you should choose. He's not enough that he just puts him onto the Chelek Yafa. Rather, he tells him, And why would the father do that? It's because he wants the son, the son himself, does not recognize what the best portion of the field is. So the only way he knows is he's completely relying on the father to guide him and to show him what the proper path is. 
So since he's somewhat masopic, the father has to bring him to that field so he could see it. And then he tells him, trust me, this is the best, best piece of land there is. Choose this particular one. So same thing is also by Hashem. We have this two pathways in front of us. We have, uh, we have Chaim and we have Mavis. And it's not clear which one is the best way. Which one will bring us the ultimate level of happiness and, and simcha and fulfillment? So Hashem is not satisfied, satisfied just by showing us these pieces of light. He tells us, choose the right one. Choose the one of life. And Rashi continues, regarding this idea of and Hashem is, tells us to choose life. This is what it says in Tehillim. Hashem and Ischelki, because Ata, You are Hashem, you are my portion, my cup, and you support or you lay my hand onto the girl. You've placed my hand onto the girl, saying, This is what you should take for yourself. Meaning, Rashi is coming to add another point that there's a big difference between a father and a son and Hashem and the Yidin. By the father and the son, the son, first of all, doesn't know which one's better. He doesn't, he doesn't have any opinions. He just wants the best piece. So he trusts his father. First of all, his father owns the Nachla, so his father has a very good awareness of what the best pieces are, and he knows that the father loves him. So when the father takes him to that place and tells him, this is the one that you should choose, he trusts him. First of all, the father's a physical father. He's, he's making him feel good. Uh, the field's a physical field. He can see it. And of course, the most important thing is he has no reason why not to trust them. But when we're talking about Chaim and, and, and Mavis, first of all, we sometimes it doesn't look that way that, that Ra brings Mavis and Toy brings life. Sometimes in our experiences, unfortunately, it could be other ways. We could see Derek Hashem Slacha. We see sometimes that the wicked are successful. And sometimes we know that the, the Torah promises long life. It means long life in Olam Haba. So when, when a person's brought with these two options, he, 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 it's not that he, has, no, he, he doesn't have an opinion. He has an opinion. He might see certain milas in the other way. So just that Hashem's telling us, choose this path, this will bring you Mechayim. Emotionally, intellectually, he might not see that way. So how is it going to help that Hashem tells Moshe Ben to tell us that we should choose Chaim? course, if he knew it was Chaim, of course he would choose it. But the problem is that he's Masupik. Is this really the Chaim? So how does it help that Hashem's just telling us, we already know that you're supposed to choose life. It's the problem is that we don't really know if this is what's really good for us. So just telling us again, oh, choose, choose the Derech of Chaim, how is that encouraging the Jewish people any more than they would have been encouraged before to choose that path if, if, if they're Masupik? Telling them Chaim is not going to help. So therefore, the Rashi brings this pasuk, Hashem and Chalki, is to tell us that Hashem is my portion, Hashem toimich grali, which means you place my hand on the girl type, telling me that Hashem actually guides us in a, in a physical way, meaning he's guiding us to be able to pick the best possible uh, portion in life. And as the Rebbe explains in the Sicha, that means that there is some type of physical representation that we're able to experience of Hashem's guidance in our life that's making it better. That Mizman Mizman, we're able to experience how following the, the path of Hashem is bringing us to ultimate level of happiness. Oh yeah, another option is that Hashem guides us to ta- show us how we can see that Torah Mitzvah is what brings you Chaim Amitim, true and uh, true life. And that gives the person the hergish that he's doing the correct thing. So Hashem is, tells us, Hashem's telling us that this is the best path, is that the Dibur Shalma, uh, that has a 
Ula that we actually choose this particular path. This path is chosen for us, and he guides us and shows us how this taka is the path. And according to this, we can understand another deacon Rashi, that regarding the father and the son, the father tells the son, he shows them the best piece of land, and he tells them this is the one you should choose, meaning is the son actually has to make the decision to choose it. Masha'ikim, when we're talking about Hashem and the Jewish people, it says, Hashem placed my hand on the girl, which means the girl, means that, he, that that's my lot, that Hashem guided my hand to pick up this particular lot, that there's a raffle, and when you did the raffle, it shows a certain, when you pick up that girl, that means you, or put your hand on the girl, that means that portion was chosen for you. And it says, just take it for yourself. Meaning is that when Hashem's, Hashem, is, is, we don't even have the decision to, be, to choose Toiv or, or, or Mavis. Rather, our decision is only, are we going to take the Toiv or not? Meaning is the path, our portion is Tyra Mitzvah. Our portion is Chaim. Our portion is, uh, is Toiv. Our, here, our choice that we have is, are we going to just take that Toiv and that goodness and the Tyra Mitzvah Hashem gave us, or are we not going to take it? But that is already given to us. So that's why that there's the change in the Mashal. So by the father and son, which is talking about a regular field, then the son, of course, always has the option, will he take it, will he not take it? It's up to him at the end of the day if he's going to make that king. Masha'en came by Yidin and Hashem, this that we have to do, Toiv and Chaim, this that we have to do, Toiv Mitzvah, that's already been decided, that's already been chosen for us. Our decision is, are we going to take that for ourselves or not? And this fits very well also with according to Halacha, uh, why Rashi changes the Lashen. He changes it by the father and the son. He uses the, he uses the expression of Chelek Hatayv, Chelek, Chelek Yatha. While when he talks about the Geirul, he says, when he talks about the portion that the, of Hashem giving to the Jewish people, he calls it Geirul Hatayv. So why is he, in, in the Mashal, he calls it a Chelek, but in the Nimshal, by Hashem and the Jewish people, he calls it a Geirul. So the Pshad is that there's a Machalikis Roshonim regarding uh, partners that want to divide, let's say, a piece of land. And they make a girl about, I'll get this part of the land, you'll get that part of the land. So those machlaikas, once you make that girl, is the girl machna to each of the shutfim what their portion is? Or the girl just is mavar that, okay, portion A is for you, portion B is for him, portion C is for the third partner, and now each one of you have to go make actual kinyan in your piece of land. So according to some Roshonim, the girl itself will be machna to each of the partners their portion. According to the second opinion, no, it just shows what each part, partner is supposed to get, but then, then they actually have to go make a king. But Lakuliyama, all Rishonim agree that if it's a girl, which is al piruach then the girl itself will be mapped. For example, by the Chulukas arts, that when the Shvatim divided the land, al piruach with the Urm Matumim, and with the girl, there was the Urm Matumim and the girl, which means that the girl was through Ruach HaKadosh. You won't, uh, meaning that they, they, it's, it's discussed in the drush exactly how that happened, but basically uh, you had the you had the Urmah saying which portion goes to which shade, and then they would do a geirul, and the geirul will be exactly the same as the Urmah Tumim. So they saw that as ruach kaidish. Anyways, in that situation, everyone agrees that it was makna just the geirul. So over here, which is a geirul al pi Hashem of the hidden getting chayim and, and toiv, it's makna to the Jewish people. It's automatically uh, our portion, and and our option is just kachlucha. Are we going to take it or not? So that's the beer LP shot, what this, the, the, the later psukim are coming to uh, tell us. That the, the later psukim are, are coming to tell us that Hashem is guiding us. Hashem is telling us the idea of words is revealing, you're, you're revealing 
uh, your thoughts, your emotions to someone else. So Hashem telling us, this is a certain gili, a certain revelation that Hashem is giving us, that he's showing us that this is, is, is the better path. It's like a father telling his son, pick this path, this is the better path for you, or sorry, this is the better piece of land. Similarly, by Hashem saying, that's, it's giving us an assurance, it's giving us a certain revelation that this is the better path, um, and, and, and therefore we should choose it. And take, take it papayal, I should say. So that's the pshat alpi pshutli shemikra. So then the rabbi starts explaining this idea alpi yene shaltaira. And he says that the union of chelik yafa and girl hatayv are two forms of bechira. There's a form of bechira which is based on tan vadas, and that's the idea of chelik hayafa, that there are portions, each portion has certain qualities, certain milas, and it's not clear which is the best chilek. And a person uses his tamvadas to choose the chilek ayafa, which is, of course, Hashem. So that's bichirapi tamvadas, when there's reasons to go either way. But the pale, the cho- choice that a person should make, is, of course, taif. The second level of bichira is the bichira, which is based on the idea of the girl taif. The girl is a level within the neshama, which is the mile of tamvadas. We're talking about the etzam haneshama that the etzem ha-neshama chooses Hashem. And mitzad the etzem ha-neshama, l'chathchila, there's no, there's no two pathways. Mitzad the etzem ha-neshama, the only thing the etzem ha-neshama wants is to be connected, to be one with Hashem. There is no second pathway. Does the etzem ha-neshama want to be connected to Hashem or does it want to be disconnected? Does it want mothers? The etzem ha-neshama wants life. It wants to be connected to Hashem. So mitzad the etzem ha-neshama, the Bechira is already taken. So what we need to understand is, what does that mean? That we're saying mitzad the etzam haneshama, there is only one path, and mitzad the etzam haneshama, the the choice that it has is only the choice of of of, of, of choosing good, choosing Hashem. L'chayr, the whole idea of bechir is always between two options. You have one option, a second option, then you get choice between these two options. So when we say that the etzam haneshama only has this one path, because the the second option of mavis and ra is not even a thought process in the Etzim HaNeshama. So what does it mean that the Etzim HaNeshama has Bechira? So that's what we're going to be discussing. So to understand this, the Rebbe first explains why a Yid chooses, uh, chooses Taka Hashem. It's explained in Chassidus that sometimes you have this idea of Derech Hashem Salacha, that the ways of the wicked are successful. And uh, Masha'inkin, the, the ways of the tzaddikim are not as successful necessarily as the Rishayim. And Chassidus explains the reasoning is because the Rishayim get their energy from the level of Makif. Masha'inkin, the tzaddikim, they get their level from Kedusha, which is or bekli. It has to be a pnimistic or exactly what fits. Therefore, it could be much smaller. So the Rishayim gets much more because it's from Makif. And the tzaddikim will get less. So what's Pshat? First of all, why are the Rishayim getting more? What do you mean? Since what is makif, and if makif is a higher level, why are the rishonim getting energy from a higher level than the tzaddik who's getting it from a lower level? This doesn't make any any sense. And of course, we need to understand why bepayel does the tzaddik then choose the path which you're getting the lesser or shouldn't he choose the path that he's getting from makif? So to explain this, Chassidus uh, brings a mashal. Now we elaborate a bit the mashal, but the mashal is of a king that invites. Uh, his friends and his ministers to a meal. 
So in this, when you come arrive at the great Suda of the king, uh, when you get there, you know, you, you, you might, you, let's say you're, you're, you have to wait in line to get into the palace. Once you're past the lines and you're actually in the palace, you know, you're there for cocktails. So when they're bringing out the cocktails, you're getting a piece of sushi here, a little appetizer there, you get a little drink over here. And, and things take its time. Like everything has its process, you know, first the appetizer, and then there's a speech, and then you go in for the main, and then you go in for salads, and then there's a soup course, until finally you get to the main course. Everything has a certain stage of a hadraga, and, and everything, there's steps along the way. So you're looking around, and, and you're looking at all the servants. And you see the servants, you're hungry, you know, you're just at the cocktails at that point in time, you just had that one, one or two pieces of sushi, it was perfect, but still, it's just one or two pieces, you're hungry. And you see the servants, you know, you, you peek into the kitchen, you see the servants are laughing, and they're eating pieces of the main course, the steaks, all the leftovers, the, the pieces that they couldn't use, you know, some are eating sushi, so they're all having a great time. You look out the window, you see the servants driving in and out of the castle with these fancy cars, going on deliveries, picking things up. Looks like everyone's having a, a great time. The servants are dressed in good clothing. So when you look at that, you start thinking, wait a second, what's the, I wish I was a servant. Me, I'm one of the guests of the king, but all I'm getting is all I got so far was like a one piece of sushi, you know. Then they're able to take whatever they want. They can start with the steaks, then they go to dessert, they go back to the sushi. You know, they're, they're, they're able to have as much as they want. It's not just, a, you know, one, 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 one salad for your, your, your appetizer and then you get your soup. They could do it whatever they want. They could take as much as what they want, when they want. It seems like they have a much greater uh, advantage than I do. And they're able to use these fancy cars, fancy clothing. So why Taka? So, so, so let's first of all look at that. So what's going on over here? What's going on here is that the, what does the king truly want? Why does why do you still want to be one of the guests of the king, one of the friends of the king, and not one of the servants? It's because what's what's the purpose? The king's desire is he wants to have a he wants to have a meal to celebrate. Let's say it's a chasten of one of his kids. He wants to celebrate with his good friends, his good ministers, people that he's close with. And, and you are an admirer of the king. You're you're, you're an ayah of the king. You also want to celebrate with the king. You want to join in the simcha. You want to be able to have that connection with him. So in or, the king, his main purpose is to have that celebration with his friends and family and, and, and close ministers. That's, that's his intention. That's his primis kavana. And in order to do that, he needs to have what we would call the makif. There's the, there's the orbikli and then there's the makif. The orbikli is having everything perfect. You, you know, it starts with the cocktails and then there's the appetizers and then there's a speech and then there's some entertainment and then there's soup. Everything is constructed perfectly, exactly according to the desire of the king. The king is expressing his joy and expressing himself and, and, and making a connection with you by really making a simcha which reflects who he is. And he wants to connect with you. And he wants to connect with all of his friends and guests who are there in that way. So the meal and everything is prepared perfectly in order to make that connection uh, with his friends. But in order to facilitate that, of course, he needs to have servants and he needs to, you know, if you're going to make five steaks, he only wants the top, you're going to make 500 steaks, but he only wants the best steaks. So only a hundred of those steaks will actually be used because he's taking the 100 best steaks that were cooked perfectly, aged, etc. When he's making sushi, he's not going to use the ends of the sushi, he's only going to use the inside. So every part is, is, is masudr, Everything has its step, first one, step one, then step two, and it, within each step itself, it has to be perfection. But all that needs to be accomplished for, for, through the servants. 
so the servants might, they're the makif. Makif means this is the ratzen of the king, but it's not, he needs the servants and he needs all the extra leftover foods in order to get what he truly wants, which is the meal with his people. So what's the makif? Who gets more? The servants are talking getting more. They're getting more. They can have it whenever they want. But they're not getting, so two things are happening though. First of all, once their job is done, they leave. They're done. They're not getting any more. It's only when they're needed. You know, if they're part of the delivery services, once they finish their job, they put park the car and leave the palace. If they're part of the uh, preparing the uh, sushi, once the sushi course is done, they pack up, they ought to leave. They're done. And But second of all, they're also not connecting with the king. They might be getting a lot of hashpa, but they're not connecting with the king. The king has a plan. They're not experiencing the king. They're just one of the servants that are preparing food, eating food. It's nothing to do with the king itself. Masha'en came, the guest, first of all, he's, 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 he knows he's going to get the best quality. Right now, it might be slow, but if he takes each step as it goes, he's having the perfect meal, starting with appetizers, main courses, everything is going to be exactly perfect. So, but if he jumps it, it's not going to be perfect. That's A. B, what's the main thing that the, 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 the friend wants? He wants to connect with this king. He wants to connect with this friend. That's his main desire over here. So if you're going to jump into the kitchen and put on an apron, you're not going to enjoy the, the simcha with the king. You're going to be busy inside of the kitchen. So the nimshal, of course, is, is this world. That in order for this, Hashem wants to make a dira b'tachtayin. Hashem wants to have a dira with the Jewish people, with his, with his, with his, with his, with his family. But in order to facilitate that, you need to have the Rishayim. You need to have everything else in the world which facilitates us being able to have Bechira or to make decisions or to make a B'tachtoinim and or to make that a Dira B'tachtoinim. So it could be initially, in order to facilitate that, there will be a lot more Hashva that's going to the Rishayim and going to the Gashmi Sevaylam Hazah. But the purpose of all that is not just for them to enjoy themselves. The purpose is because all of that, this Chatsoyim Yisaratzim, is all to facilitate the Yid to be able to do Tare Mitzvahs. So when a Yid realizes that everything is really for the sake of him joining with the king, two things should come into mind. The first thing is Alpisehu. He says, wait a second. Whatever the Rishonim are getting now, that's only temporary. It's eventually going to stop. If those who are those who are just the servants, are able to have so much steak and sushi and all that stuff, if they're getting so much, so for sure the friends, the, the one that the king is making the meal for, is going to get a lot more. So it might be less now, but you have to trust that the king has a chajmin. So you trust the king that there's going to be a chajmin. So it's starting off slow, but I know I'm going to get A, a lot more than those individuals. I'm also going to get a lot more quality. So that's one aspect. There might be getting more now, but I know that the quality and the quantity that's going to come to me is going to be much more. That's one point. But then there's also the deeper point is that what is it that you truly desire? What the person truly desires is he wants to connect. Why are you at that simcha? Are you at the simcha to eat food? If it's a close friend, or if it's a king that you admire, uh, and, or individual that you greatly admire, and you want to have a connection to that amazing individual, so the reason you're going to the simcha is because you want to experience him. You want to be able to have a connection with him. So you know if you go to the kitchen, you're not going to have that. So if you're, if you, you might have more hashpa, but you're, you're missing the main point. You're missing the king. Or pnei melachai. In the light of the king is life. That when you're experienced of the king, that's when you have true life. So with with when we're talking about the first Indian, which is Seichel, do you want to have the Shva now? Or do you want to have a much greater Shema, much greater quality of Shva later? That's Machlaikasapi Seichel. But when we're talking about the connection to the king, 
this is something which is lamaylam tamadas. It's not you're not getting anything out of it. You're not getting more food. What you're getting is that connection that you want. So over there, there's actually no machlaikis. Everyone agrees that if you want to have the connection with the king, you can't be one of the servants. You, you should be one of his friends. You shouldn't be in the kitchen. You've got to be enjoying the simcha with the king. So, so when we're saying that, there's, uh, there's always a machlaikis. Yes. Now or later. When we're talking about the idea of connecting to Hashem, connecting to the king, then there's no machlaikis. There's only derech hechat. Which way is going to bring you to the derech of the melach? That, of course, is doing the Torah mitzvahs, joining in the, the, the simcha. Let's take this a step further. Because in, in this Oilam Hazah, when we make a decision, we don't have all the different parts of ourselves, you know, uh, split up. That, oh, we, can, we can make a decision on Piseicha, we can make a decision on All of these different aspects of our personality all come into play when you make one decision. And there's only ever going to be one decision, which is, man, you've got to take everything involved. So just because you want to, you know, enjoy the king and you might want to have a palpiseichel, you might want to have the better quality food, a person still sometimes might choose, uh, you know, I just want to starve. I just want the food now. So he goes to the kitchen, whatever. So you can always have, so you always have that. So let's let's look at this idea of a bit deeper. At this point, we're just looking at the two levels of Bihira separately. But of course, when a decision is actually made, everything comes into play. So when you look in the psukim in our parsha. It's clear that the decision is based on, it seems like that the decision is, is option one. It's, it's a decision on Piseichel. Hashem's telling you that there's Toiv and there's Ra, there's Chaim and there's Mavis, and you should choose life. Hashem, the, the Psukim are telling you that Al makes a greater sense to choose Hashem. And that's actually what Rashi's telling you. Hashem's Moir Lahamadar and gives you a marshal of this concept of a father and the son. That it's Taka, there's different Chalakim, and it's not so clear necessarily which Chalik is better. So, so the father guides the son, and he tells him which, which portion to choose. So that's the Pashat shot of our Psukim. It's, it's clearly talking about the first Eifin when there, it's, a, it's a decision which is al Piseichel. But Rashi continues, he says, al regarding this concept of Hashem giving us a choice, it tells us in a different place. It tells us in Tehillim that Hashem guides us. Hashem has chosen the paths for us, and we just need to take it for ourselves. Meaning is that even in the decision of Pitan Vadas, it's koilul within it, a decision which is from the Atzim and Neshama, a decision which has already been made, mitzad that Hashem made that decision, mitzad the girl of your, of, of your Neshama, the girl of Neshama is the Atzim and Neshama. So mitzad the girl of faith that Hashem placed our hand in the girl means that we have an Atzim Neshama that just wants Hashem. So our psukim are talking about how the decision is made up Yisechel, but Rashi tells us that the Makim Acher, it tells us that this decision is koilul within it, the part of the Neshama which is the etzim nesham, which just wants and desires Hashem. So what we need to understand, and that's what we're explaining the next part of the year. what exactly does that mean? What are these different parts of the decision? And, and how do all these different parts, the, the parts of Piseichel, the parts which are based on the etzim nesham, how do they all come into play when a person makes a choice? So to understand this, let's take a moment to explain the different parts of a person. So the person has, we know, a person has an etzim hanashama. Uh, the person has the, what's called the etzim ha'ar of the neshama, the light of the neshama. Then a person also has what's called the hispashta sa'ar, the or which actually leaves, spreads out, and, and let's say comes into the person. Uh, and within that itself, there's two levels. There's the makif, like uh, the, the, that which would be the idea of ratzin, the more 
Makif the Kakaichis, and the Zosta the Pnimis the Kakaichis would be the Seichel, the Midas, etc. So let's look at each one separately and see how they all uh, connect when a person makes a decision. So, first of all, the Etzim Hanashama. So, the Etzim Hanashama is how the person is Mitzat himself. This is the essential um, needs, desires, exactly what the Etzim Hanashama is without any outside uh, contaminations or impurities. The Etzim Hanashama is how it is on its own, without any type of effect. Imagine the neshama before it comes into the human body, even before it goes through Seder Shtalshas. How the etzim neshama is in its most pure state without any type of foreign influence, that is the etzim neshama. And the etzim neshama always remains that way. The etzim neshama can never change. The essential desires and will and, 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 and the taivas or whatever it is of the etzim neshama, that always remains the same. And, and what's the etzim ha'ar? The Atzimah R is how we connect to the Atzimah Hanashama, is, is the light that comes from the Atzimah Hanashama. The Atzimah R has different names. Sometimes it's called the Chassidus Hashem. Sometimes it's called Chayas. It has different names. And just to give some type of description of, of what we're referring to over here. As we said, the Atzimah Hanashama is how the Neshama is by itself. You can never know what the Atzimah of someone else's Neshama is. Because when you look, even if, you know, theoretically you could experience someone else's etzim hanashama, you will never be able to experience the hanashama how it is on its own. You can only experience it how you perceive it. You know, last week in the Sikha we were talking about if a person, um, a person purifies, let's say, a chocolate bar and gets to the essence of cocoa, which is in that chocolate bar. So all there is is the essence, how the cocoa tastes on its own without any type of foreign influences. Even when you taste it, you're not tasting the essence of cocoa because you're only tasting the cocoa how you connect with it. So if I taste the cocoa, I taste it one way. You taste the cocoa, you taste it a little bit differently. So it's ready not to add some of the cocoa because it's how I'm connecting to the cocoa, how I relate to the cocoa. So you can never actually connect to the essence of anything in this world. Even looking, you know, according to physics, when you look at something, you're already changing that item. So how the item is for itself without any type of foreign influences, we will never know unless you are that item. So the Etzim HaNashama, we can never truly know, unless it's your own Etzim HaNashama, and even that, you, might, you won't know it in a way of Tan Vedas, you'll know it because it is you. Uh, but either way, Etzim HaNashama you can never have. But what you could experience for that Etzim HaNashama is how you relate to that Etzim HaNashama. So that would be the Etzim HaR, that the, in the Neshama itself, there's the way how the Neshama rea- uh, reacts or, or connects to that which, which is outside of it. So why is it called R? So there's many reasons it has different names because it's trying to, in a sense, take care of any possible issue. It's called or because whatever happens outside of the Atzim Neshama never truly affects the Atzim Neshama. Just like the Or HaShemesh, when you have the Or HaShemesh, whatever happens to that light doesn't affect the sun itself. So the Atzim Or, whatever happens to that Atzim Or, that will never affect the actual Atzim HaNeshama. For example, try to, I'm going to give better examples later, but for example, let's say the Atzim HaNeshama one of its desires um, is to, is to uh, live. Let's say Etzimah and the whole life experiences of the person, he decides, you know what, it's better not to live. So that decision that he makes because of all of his life's uh, decisions, and we'll explain how that could even be possible, that he could, he could go against what his Etzim wants. Etzim always wants to live. It's part of the essence of the Shum that it wants to live. 
but how, but the or, which we'll describe for now as the experience of the person, he could come up with a decision that he doesn't want to live. So that decision that he makes that he doesn't want to live, that's because of the experience he has in his life. But that doesn't change the true desire of the person. The decisions that he makes that he doesn't want to live is because he had certain experiences, and therefore he thinks physical life is really the opposite of true life. And he thinks, if I get rid of my physical life, then I will have true life. So even when he doesn't want physical life, what that really means is he, he, he concluded that physical life is something which is not giving me true life. I feel dead. So I'd rather be dead physically because then I can be truly alive. Some type of psychology like that, that the death of the physical body will give me true life. So even when you have these decisions that seems like it's the opposite of the Etzim HaNeshama, it never really is the opposite of the Neshama. So it could be the opposite of a pile because the Neshama wants you to live, even physically, and you're deciding not to. But that's because of the experiences that you had uh, which, which have come to that particular conclusion. But that will never change the Etzim HaNeshama, that the Etzim HaNeshama always will have those certain desires. And therefore... Uh, when the opportunity, let's say, will, uh, let's say, even with this individual, if an opportunity will come and, and, and he will sow and be able to feel emotionally how he can live physically in this world, he will want to live physically. So even those decisions that came that says, I don't want to live, if he's able to be convinced, he will actually prefer that option. Because ultimately, the, the etzman hashamah can never be changed. So therefore, those essential desires of the individual can never be changed. That's always what he wants. There could be outside forces that sometimes cloud over that judgment, but essentially, as soon as it becomes clear to him what is life and what's not, he will actually want to live. So that's the etzim neshama that can never be changed. But how the way how the etzim neshama, how it expresses itself, that's with R. So we have R on one hand is, is trying to tell us that it doesn't, whatever happens doesn't change what the essential needs and desires of the neshama is. The neshama will always remain with those desires and needs. What happens outside will not change it. On the contrary, the etzim neshama will eventually affect what happens within the R, uh, as we'll, maybe we'll discuss. So that's the Atom. So that's the, uh, but, but also we know that R is Me'en Amar. The idea of R Me'en Amar is that the R always reflects what the Mar is. So it's a reflection. So the R itself is a reflection of what the Etzim Neshama is. So it's not the essence of the Neshama. Therefore, it could th- th- theoretically have some type of changes as we, we, we can see. Uh, but it's not the Etzim HaNeshama. At the other hand, it's Me'en Hamar, meaning is it has all the aspects of the Neshama within it. So the Neshama has a desire to live. It has that desire to always live. And the Neshama, it's, it's a reflection. It's a projection of that Neshama. That's a better way. So the projection of what the Neshama wants, it wants to live. It wants to procreate. It wants to be connected to Hashem. It wants to have a home. All of these things will also be in the Etzim Ha'or. From the Etzim Ha'or, which is a, as we said, a, a projection of the Neshama, then you have the two oyers that we are more familiar with, that we deal with on a daily basis. You have the or makif, which would be the rutzen, which maybe we can call the unconscious or the subconscious of the mind, which is the subconscious of the mind is really the power within you that is trying to fulfill what the neshama, etzim haneshama wants. The neshama wants to live, it wants to procreate. So the subconscious of the person, it's constantly working to get you to those particular goals of life, procreation, etc., etc., That's what it's working on. It's, that's why the Ratzin is called the Netias and Nefesh. It's the turning of the soul. What does that mean? The Ratzin is not something for itself. It's an expression of what the soul wants. So where the soul wants, that turns the person to go in certain ways. And it could be subconscious. You might not even realize it, but those are, that's what's constantly uh, happening. And I'm going to discuss that a bit in a more, but let's just go to the, uh, that's the Ormachim, then you have the Orpnimi. The Orpnimi is the conscious mind of the person, 
you know, his, his decision-making, his emotions, his memory, things that he's able to, uh, let's say, relate to when he's making decisions, right? Things that he is aware of. That's, I guess, the main point. Things, the, the parts of the decision process that he will be aware of at that moment. Memories that he can remember now. Uh, pros and cons. So let's say, let's, so let, let's, let's give some examples over here so we can see the different parts of the show. So let's say a person needs to make a decision. So when a person makes a decision, should he go, should he take job A or should he take job B? He has two options. So each one has its mileage and pros. One pays better, but the other one maybe one's more secure. One, you gotta leave your family longer, but the one that pays less, you could be with your family for a, a larger period of time. Each one has its qualities. It's, it's, it's the mileage and chasrenis that you have. So the person's looking at the, these things. So he's, he's writing down all the pros and he's writing down all the cons of how to make this particular decision. But the truth is, even if the pro, when a person's making a decision, it's not just his conscious mind that's making a decision. His subconscious is working at that moment of time too. The subconscious mind is looking and, let's um, say at least two ways, many, probably many more, but there's two ways we'll discuss today. Is first of all, looking at what, subconsciously is what this person needs right now in time, right? So for example, let's say it's a young family. He doesn't have any children yet. So one, might, one job might pay a lot more, but, but he's going to be away from his family or potential family. The other, he'll, uh, he'll be able to make a family, but he'll get paid less. So if he's in the point of life that procreation is the most important part, that will place the, the idea of being with family or able to have a family B, which is option B, will, play, will be much, much stronger uh, pro than even if you're being paid a lot more. If it's a later point in his life where that's not as important, let's say to him, it's not a strong desire. He might not even realize it, but subconsciously his, his, his biology inside of him is not pushing as more. Then that might be a smaller thing. He might be looking, look, I'm going to be retiring soon. Money is the most important part because I need to be able to survive. I need to be able to live. Uh, uh, so th at that point, it might be something else. I, 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 you know, especially let's say it's an economy that's going to go down. He's scared about the future. Then those fears might cause him to say, look, look, option A is better because that will give me more financial security. So, so the, there are pros and cons that a person is able to understand um, with his conscious minds, but then there's also the subconscious powers behind him that are pushing him and, and giving greater emphasis to different parts of the argument. That's one thing. There's a second thing that happens is that we know that subconscious mind is there to protect the person, as I'm saying, protect his life, to protect all his etzim his, rutsoinus, as I've been discussing the whole time. So one of the things that we know subconscious mind is a subconscious mind never forgets anything. So let's say, for example, a person had a trauma, a powerful trauma as a child or younger in his life. So the subconscious mind will give a much greater emphasis to that trauma than what, which might make sense intellectually. So you have option A, option B, and I'll say even more. Sometimes the subconscious mind is so powerful, the subconscious mind is there to protect the person. Let's say it was such a great trauma that it actually made him, made him and her forget that trauma that happened. So he doesn't even remember it. The subconscious mind is so strong, it can make you forget things if your mind can't handle it. So when you're making the decision, you don't even remember that particular thing happened to you. But in option B, let's say, that would trigger that particular trauma in your subconscious. So even if anyone looking at the two options are like, option B looks a, make, makes a lot more sense. 
But, but if option B, for whatever reason, would trigger that trauma, your mind will be actively focusing on option A. We will try to come up with reasons why option A uh, is better. For example, let's say option A, you've got to fly. That's the, uh, option A, sorry, option B pays more, you can be with your family more, all the things that you want uh, is an option B. But you need to fly a plane uh, once a month. Well, option A, everything else is worth, but you don't need to fly. But you have a trauma because of flying. So because of that trauma, all of a sudden, like, oh, flying, oh, it's, so, it's so inconvenient to fly. I got to wait in the airport. Like all the different reasons why you don't want to fly, all of a sudden it become huge issues. Everyone looking at you might not even understand, like, why is that such a big issue? But because of that trauma, that actually affects, A, the importance that you put all of a sudden on that travel. You hate travel. Such an inconvenience for you or whatever it is, that will play such a strong focus that might even be more important to you than all the other things. Consciously, you might not know. You will come up with reasons consciously why. Oh, you hate it, and you get sick from it, blah, 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 blah. But it's because of the subconscious. So that's how the subconscious mind will work. Um, what's interesting is that the subconscious, that, that if a person has, it's interesting, maybe just to point this out, uh, maybe relevant to other part in Yon and Chassidus, that the subconscious mind is so powerful that if a person has such a great trauma in his life that he's unable to handle it, he could sometimes create a person, uh, a, a personally a personality disorder that it could create within him a, a second personality, meaning it's a personality with its own way of thinking, with its own identity, with its own memories, with its own subconscious. It creates a second person within that individual. You have one human being with two separate personalities with all of their own emotions and psyche within that person. So that's how powerful the subconscious is. It could actually create a totally different type of person who even thinks differently than, than you do. Uh, which the reason why that's just interesting as a side note is because when we're talking about a citizen it many times brings that when something's relevant to a person, when something's negative to a person, he's able to, I think he uses the lushan of like taps onto his etzim hanashama. Uh, and and uh, it, it, I think there's a particular chassid that naturally wasn't smart and then it changed him to be a, a he was able to connect to that. He became a very smart individual. Or sometimes a chassidist says, that you can change the tevamidaisa, not just to change that if you love A, you'll love B, but rather if you're a person that is very cold by nature, you're able to change it that you become a very warm in nature. I, that's not your personality. But if something's negay enough to you, something that is so important, your subconscious will work on it and find a way, basically, to make it happen. So if you want, if, if it's important, let's say you need to be a loving person in order to serve Hashem with Pesimcha, if that's negay to you, it's negay to the etzim of who you are, it will happen because the subconscious has the capability. I don't know how, but somehow it's able to connect to, to I don't know if it's to etzim or to the etzim and shama, and that could create a whole new personality. It could give a whole new art to the person. That there could be two totally different iris within the person. It could, it could bring out a new art that he didn't even have originally. We know that I think the story of the Rebbe Rashab, I think that he was something he was when he was saying chassidus, something was uh, disturbing him, so he took away his power of hearing from one ear. This is all mitzvah, the subconscious power with, within the person, which is, has a very strong connection probably even to deeper parts of the shama, therefore create new personalities or bring new kachos into the individual. But that's uh, maybe another part. Anyways, so that, that's what happens when a person makes a decision. So when a person's making a choice, you have all these different parts of him working at it. So now let's look at a choice of, um, let's look at a choice within Torah mitzvahs, which will Let's try to get all the different aspects there. Let's say a person has to, he's a person that every single day uh, he learns in the morning, he 
um, you know, he learns Hasidus, and then he dabbles with a minion, and then he does his dafyayme, whatever it is, he has a very seder every single day. He's been doing this for four or five years. He's almost finished the, the whole seder, what he's learning. And then it comes a point of time that for two weeks, they need him to do something for Tzarek Hatzibur, and it'll destroy his entire schedule of dabbling with a minion and doing to all his shrimp that he, that, he, that he enjoys to do. So he's in, the, he's in the dilemma. So he asks the Rav, and the Rav tells him, uh, in this particular situation, because it's Tzarek Hatzibur, you should actually... Uh, you know, leave your regular schedule and work on the Tzarek Hitzibur. But he's like, well, I'm going to, you know, I'm almost finished the whole Shas. I'm almost, I dive in every day with him and I learn every day. Chassidus is going to, you know, ruin my whole schedule. Who knows how long it will take me to get back into it. He says, no, that's the Halacha. So now the person needs to make a decision. Should he continue with his daily schedule or should he do the Tzarek Hitzibur? So what happens within him? So his rational mind will initially say, look, you know, I'm a firm Jew. The Torah says I should do the Tzarek Hitzibur, so that's what my job is right now. But then his subconscious will start working and saying, wait a second, wait a second. We've been doing this for 40, 50 years. If, 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 if we take out, you know, uh, we know that this has brought you happiness. Going to Davin and learning, that has brought you a lot of happiness and joy in your life. It also connects you to Hashem. So it's brought you connection to Hashem. Uh, you know, and then all of a sudden, when, since he has these subconscious feelings that this is what's going to connect me to Hashem, that's what his subconscious is telling him. Why does the subconscious think that this is going to connect me to Hashem? That's not true. What's going to connect me to Hashem is listening to the wrong. But the subconscious is, in a sense, in this particular situation, is lying to him. It's because the subconscious is using his previous experiences in life and is telling him that even though the Rav said that you should do the Tzorchit Tzibur, but we know from our experience, from your entire life, that this will bring you more life. This will bring you more connection to Hashem. If life and connection to Hashem and meaning is so important to you, we already associate uh, from Kai. We associate connection with Hashem with these activities. We don't associate connection with Hashem with Tzorchit Tzibur at that point of the day. No, we associate it with this. So his subconscious mind already associates the idea of life and the idea of connecting to Hashem to his daily activities. While his rational mind might not. But of course, since there's a subconscious desire uh, to, to, to continue his daily schedule, he'll all of a sudden start coming up with more reasons why he should do his daily schedule. And, you know, maybe the Rav didn't understand all the different parameters. Maybe there's another person that could actually do that job for him, whatever, you know, justification he comes up with. But at the same time, there will be a subconscious, another subconscious desire is, look, we have to do what the Torah says. The Torah says that listening, doing the Tzarek Tzibah at this moment in time will bring me the greatest power of life. So there's also the, uh, I guess maybe in this situation, like the etz, the, the etz and Hanashama, even a deeper power within him, deeper the, the, than the subconscious that he's used to, is telling him that, no, what's the proper way of, of going in this situation? What will connect you? What will fulfill your desire? That would be by doing what the Rav says. So when he has to make a decision, both sides of the decision, what is he really looking at? What does he want? He really just wants to connect to Hashem. I want to connect to Hashem. I want to do what's right. But both things seem right to him. Intellectually, subconsciously, there are, both of these things seem to be right. They both have milas, but he knows which one's really right. So the decision he makes, what, is a, what does he truly desire? What do you truly desire? Do you want to do the daily schedule or the tzorchitzim? What is your true desire? So we have a choice to make, and the question is what the true desire is. So we know what his true desire is. How? how? If you remove his subconscious, you remove his intellect, you remove all of those things, and you go back to the, the essence of who he is, what is your greatest desires and pleasures and wants in this world? 
is to do what Hashem wants, it's to do what the Torah says, the Torah says, so that is, if he had no other compulsions or any life experiences in, in, in him, that's what he, we know that to be what choose. So if he had Bechir Chavshas, if he made, the, when we say Bechir Chavshas of here means, when you make a choice, which is free, meaning is that this is what you, you make a choice of what you truly desire, what you truly desire is to do the Tzarek Yitzibur in this scenario, because that is what's going to connect you to Hashem. That is your greatest desire. So that's interesting. So the true de- decision, that the true desire of the person, the Bechir Chavshas, if you didn't have those things holding you back, that's the decision you would make. But let's go back to how you are talking in this world. Of course, you do have all these ramifications. So when you're making your decision, what you truly desire is to do the Tzarek Yitzibur. But you can't do the Tzarek Yitzibur. Why? Because of the subconscious and everything, the subconscious is telling you too strongly that Tzarek Yitzibur has never brought you any type of gratification is not connected you close to Hashem. What's gotten you connected is, is your daily schedule of going dominion and learning, etc. So it's telling it's telling you not to do that. So let's say you give it, let's let's look at both ways. So let's say you decide, you know what, I'm gonna do Sarkit Sibir. I'm gonna go against what I you know my whole body is urging me to do. I'm gonna do the Tzarkit Sibir. So then you chose what you truly want. And afterwards you'll feel good about it, hopefully, is because you did what you knew what was right. You choose the emits. You choose what, what is that you truly want inside of the essence of who you are. But let's say you decide the other way. Let's say, no, I'm going to keep my daily schedule. So you might feel good. The subconscious is happy. Your body's happy. But the Pneumius Nafshacha, the Etzim and the is not happy. You, it didn't fulfill what its purpose is. That's not what you truly wanted. So you have the capability to make any decision you want. But what is it that the free choice is, the choice that, the essential type of free choice right? There's free choice that you can choose whatever. There's one type of free choice. What we usually mean is that you have two options and you can pick whatever you want. No one's going to stop you. But then there's free choices. The choice that you would make if you were free of all external uh, factors that are, that are having some type of pressure on your final decision. That's another level. That's another type of free choice. Okay. So when we talk about what's the true free choice, so true, true free choice, explains the Hasidus, is the free choice that comes inside the Atzin Hashem. Because just like Hashem, when he makes a, a choice, a decision, there's no one that's going to stop Hashem from making any decision that he wants. Hashem can make any decision, whatever he wants. There's nothing that can stop him. What is he going to choose? He's going to choose the Jewish people, because that's truly what he desires. And there's no one can stop him from doing what he wants. And what does he want? He wants to choose the Jewish people. Same thing by the Yidin. The Yidin want Hashem. Hashem and the Yidin are one identity. That's part of the essence of who we are, that we desire, we want to connect, we want life. We want to be, or play Malachim. We want life. We want to have, identify and be connected to Hashem. So that is our truest desire. But when the Etzim and Neshama comes into a body, so now the Etzim and Neshama, as we discussed, is, is connecting to outside influences. So the Etzim and Neshama will never change, as we explained already. The Etzim and Neshama will always want its core desires. Connection to Hashem, life, those main things that it's always part of it. But what happens is when it connects to the outside forces, then those outside, what happens is that the way that it, let's say, wants to make a, a dir b'tachtayna. So that's its greatest desire is to make a dir b'tachtayna. Right? Let's, let's focus on that. So it comes into the body and, and that's its main focus. So the rutzen and everything is trying to make a dir b'tachtayna. So it's, so what happens is, how does he make the Dirbatak Tain? If the Etzim and doesn't connect directly with the world, as we discussed, there's the aura of the Neshama that connects. Just like a person's Etzim, that's why it's also another reason why the, one of the names of the, of the aura 
the etzimar is also shame, a name. The whole idea of a name is not for yourself, it's always for someone else. How to connect to someone else. You can never connect with your essence to someone else, but you have the name. The parts of you there are able to connect with someone else. There's also, that's why it's called chais, energy. Another name for the R is also chais, it's called, because the idea of chais is that it's your life. It's your personality. It's your identity. Your energy is who you are. And you're able to take that energy, put it into your body, put it into the things you do. But that's who you are is being expressed with your energy. So the etzimar is ar me'inamar. It's an expression of what the etzim hanashama is. So it can never change the etzim hanashama because the etzim hanashama is unchangeable. It's like Hashem. It's unchangeable. It's the essence. It will always want what it wants. But the etzim ha'or, hu ishmayachad, just like Hashem, hu ishmayachad, also by the etzim ha'or and the, and the etzim, it's hu ishmayachad. The etzim ha'or and the etzim are one. The difference is, it's one part. It's like, you know, it's like, it's like the person and how the person looks. So when you look at a person, there's the person and how he looks. It's, it's not two different things. It happens, it's, it's all part of the same thing. When you look at the person, you're seeing him and you're seeing how he looks. So same thing over here. The or of the etzen, the or is part of the etzen. It has an or to it, the way that it connects to others. But how it connects to others will never change what it truly is. But that or is how it connects to others, and ultimately it's alive. It's a chais, it's an energy. It, that itself has a life, it has a personality. It has, and, and, and the essence of its personality, of course, is the person. But as that etzim or goes through, uh, that, that or goes throughout life, and as we said, it translates into your subconscious, your conscious mind, uh, as it gets, it comes into a body, so it doesn't remain beruchnius, where everything would be perfect. It comes down to a physical body, and, and now it needs to translate its desires, how does that connect with the physical world? I want to make a dirba tachtenim. Okay, so how, how, how making a dirba tachtenim connect it to a bicycle? You know, so that, so, so then that's going to, you know, that's, that's going to be your, your experience in life. If bicycles in your society is something that brings you to shul, then bicycles will always be identified. Ah, that's something that makes a dirba tachtenim. If a bicycle is something that brings you a type of society that does the opposite, then it will be identified in your, personality, your psyche, is something which is the opposite of making a dear Um And really, throughout a person's life, if a person is taught, let's say, is not taught terminates, he's taught in his, in his life other sets of values, and he believes that these are the sets of values that will bring him eternal life. So even if he sees the terminates, but him, according to what he was taught, he was taught that these sets of values will connect you to God. So when he, even if he learns Torah Mitzvah, well, he's like, no, that's, that's not what's connecting me. So it might be Epiphemius Napshah, if he's a Yid, he'll know deep within him because the Etzim is able to recognize what's good for him because the Etzim HaNeshama, as we said, is never affected by what's happening in the external world. So the Etzim HaNeshama will always want Torah Mitzvah. But his conscious mind, the way how it was relating his entire life is these sets of rules bring me to Hashem. And also his conscious mind is relating that way. So subconscious, his conscious mind is telling him one thing, but his Etzim HaNeshama in these types of scenarios is, is saying, you know, there's something wrong. There's, there's something not right over here. There's some, something that's not balanced. And that's why they're, it's very interesting when you have these stories of people that didn't even know that they're Yidin, and then they meet a Yidin, and all of a sudden they feel so connected and it feels so true to them. Like, what happened? They had a good life before. They might have been religious people for a different religion. What happened? It's because within them, once they experienced, uh, once they experienced Torah Mitzvahs, all of a sudden everything became aligned for them. The etzim hanasham, the etzim or the subconscious, all of it became a lot. There was a certain alignment, and therefore they felt good about this. Like, no, this is what's going to bring me to Tyramitsis. So you can have, in certain times in your life, these alignments. But many times in your life, not necessarily every day, do you have this 
beautiful alignment. There's times in Messias Nefesh, a person might have alignment. I don't know how it works when a person gets that alignment, but it happens. However way each person, each individual works, that there could be these uh, alignments. But either way, there, it, within a person's life, when there could be always a contradiction. His subconscious is trying to get life. His subconscious is always trying to make a dirbach But he knows, let's say he's in a situation where bikes always brought you to something which is the opposite. So when he's brought with the situation, oh, you need to take a bike to go to shul. He's like, what? You crazy? He's like, you don't take the bike, you're going to miss the minion. But, but, but the problem is his subconscious mind, of course he wants the minion. He wants to connect to Hashem. But his subconscious mind is saying, taking a bike, are you crazy? That's, that's not going to bring you life. That, that's going to bring you the opposite. So, so it's interesting that you can have both things really desire exactly the same thing. It's just because the, the experiences of life, you will make a dif- different decision because of that lack of alignment necessarily, right? Because the, the subconscious wants to do the Tachtainim, but it, it understands the bike as something which is the opposite of the Tachtainim. But in this situation, it would make a Deir Tachtainim. What are you supposed to do now? So it, it's that, that's, that's where all these you know, um, dilemmas um, come from. So let's now jump, jump back into the Sicha. So when a person makes a decision, so Rashi's telling us that um, in this parsha, it's telling you that you have, the, you have the good, you have the bad. It's an intellectual decision. Hashem's telling you what is tight. He gives us a Torah, he gives us mitzvahs, he gives us rabbanim, he gives us mashpiyim, he gives us everything that we need, that we have definitely the capability always to make that right, uh, that right decision. Um, so he gives out that capability. But now, so you have, you know, you, let's say you have the two options, which one will bring you that life? But what's the panemius of, 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 what's the true Bechir that you're going to make? Each one looks good. But what's the essence of when you're making the Bechir Chachis? When are you truly desiring what you want? When you're truly desiring what you want is when it's the Geyol Hatayv. The Bachir brings out that, what is Hatayv? Hatayv ain't Tayv Baruch the Geyol of HaKadosh Baruch that what's ultimately making the, the, the decision, if you're going to be choosing toiv or maves, is what connects you to Hashem. Um, and, and that's ultimately what, what is within it. So in the, so that's why, as the Rabbi explains, the Bechir Chavshas is really in the etzim of the Neshama. To be able to choose what you truly desire, that's, that's a power that comes from the etzim Neshama. One, that power of being able to choose you could, so the Atzim Neshama has two things, really. Let's look in that Bechira. There's one thing is that it chooses what it truly desires. And there's a second thing is no one could stop it from what it wants. What it wants to make a decision, nothing could stop it. Of course, in the Atzim Neshama, it only wants to connect Hashem. But technically, the power is no one could, it's just like Hashem can make whatever decision it wants to. No one could stop Hashem from making a decision. The Atzim Neshama also can make any choice it wants to. It's just what it truly wants, of course. But when it comes into a body, what happens in that point is, the, what, it, what it truly desires sometimes can become very hidden. What, what, what is it that it truly desires? It's, it's not so clear. I mean, it knows it wants connection to Hashem, it wants life, but what brings me to life? So that first part becomes not so clear anymore. And then the second part is that you can make whatever decision you want. You have that capability to make the decision. That's still there. So you can make a decision which is the opposite, the opposite of what you truly want. You can make a decision which is Ra Mavis. It might be because you think that's good, but the point is, whatever reason you make that decision, you're doing something which is the opposite of what Hashem wants. You're able to go against Hashem, which only uh, uh, only a human being is, has that capability 
to make a, a, a free choice. So in other words, free choice has these two things. There's the choice that you could truly do what you want and also the Bechira that you, nothing can stop you. So when do you see Bechira Chavshis? So when is Bechira Chavshis actually experienced? That's only in this world. Because in the Etzim and Hashama, it's, it, there is only one option. So you don't see the Bechira Chavshis. You just see the Neshama doing what it truly wants. But when do you see the Bechira Chavshis? Meaning is, when do you see that capability that the Neshama is able to make a decision according to what it truly desires, according to what it wants, uh, sorry, I should say what it, what, what it wants, and even deeper what it truly desires, because I, I guess we have to split that in two. The, this that you see, point A of Bechira, that it can pick whatever it wants and nothing can stop, it's only when it's inside of a body. When you have the Seichel, when you have the Midas, and you have different options. Then you can make whatever decision you want. So that's point A of Bechira. When do we see the, also the idea of Bechira Chavshis, meaning that what does the neshama truly want? It wants Hashem, wants Torah Mitzvahs, is only when it's in the body, also. Because before, there, that's the only option. But when it's in the body, and then you have these dilemmas, and what the body is telling you, look, this will bring you more happy, you know, let's say the Ra, let's say in this situation, keep your daily schedule of learning, v'chulu, v'chulu. that will bring you more happiness and fulfillment. You know, it's telling you all those things. And that's what you experience emotionally and subconsciously. These are very powerful emotions. But when you still pick what's correct in MS, which is the circuit Tzibah in that situation, that means what do you truly desire? You're not looking. You, what you truly desire is really Hashem, which is, which is powerful. You go against everything you are. So it shows A, how you have the capability to put, to choose what you truly desire, regardless of all of the factors that are pushing you in one direction. So even in a situation where everything about you should say that you should really be doing option A, everything about you, your life experiences, your personality, everything you've brought up to, your morals, everything tells you A, but you choose B because you know that's uh, what Hashem wants in this scenario, that, sh- that is the greatest expression of the Vafir Chavshis that you, a person is able to do what he, a person is able to make the decision and choose what he truly desires and nothing could stop him. The subconscious, the conscious, nothing could stop him. He could truly desire what he wants and nothing's able to hold him back. And that's why Rashi tells us, brings these two levels. And he, he brings the level, what the Pasuk talking about, he tells us, is a choice between Apisechel. But he says, Al-Zad Namar, regarding this choice of Apisechel, it says another place, not here, but explains in other places, what is the penimius of that Pahira based on? That's based on that Hashem has placed us and given us the girl type. He's given us a, a, a girl that we, it's inside the girl of our neshama. It's the etzim of our neshama, which the girl of our neshama and Hashem is completely one and therefore we're able to make the decision. And of course, this is the Hagdama to uh, Rosh Hashanah because in Rosh Hashanah, we know that the, um, that Hashem, we choose Hashem as our king and Hashem chooses us. So what we, our, our job is uh, uh, is to when we make that decision of the girl hatayv, it needs to be able to also translate into the chelik. The girl hatayv has to translate into the chelik ayafa. Meaning is that when we make a decision that we want Hashem, it can't always remain something which is completely different than our personality. Every time you ask a question to the rav, it's completely different than you are. The ultimate purpose is that that has to translate and, and, and change your personality. That eventually. What your parent personality always wants is just to do what, what, what the Torah says. That is the perfect alignment. That the Etzim HaNeshama is not, is aligned with your subconscious, conscious, and your body. Everything about you is aligned exactly how it's supposed to be. And that, of course, takes Kabbalah Saul, your whole life of training, doing Torah mitzvahs. But that's what we have the capability, and that's what Hasidus comes to do. Hasidus reveals that Etzim HaNeshama. The more you're able to 
reveal the atzim of the neshama by learning chassidus and doing Torah mitzvahs, that will cause that alignment. Because the more the subconscious and the conscious mind knows what is true and what is truly Torah mitzvah, what is truly Hashem, that it, it changes them. If you're doing all these constantly what Hashem wants, and you always follow what the Torah says, you always follow your mashpim, your abonim, that becomes second nature to you. The subconscious mind says, you know what? It's always good to listen to your Rav. The conscious mind says, let's ask the Rav. It's always been, whenever we listened, it worked out well. And that's ultimately what happens. And therefore, our Parshat uh, Tzavim is read before Rosh Hashanah because, that, because we need to choose Hashem. So we do that first. That's the Hachana. So we choose Hashem and we translate into our personal life. So same thing happens on Rosh Hashanah that Hashem chooses the Jewish people. Hashem chooses us for His people and that translates itself into uh, in, in, into, into the day-to-day -day type of activities, and everything that we need and, that we, we, and it gives us the capability to connect to him.